welcome to Season 2 of Busting Addiction and Its Myths, sponsored by Safe House Rehab Thailand, where we offer a modern approach to recovery, breaking with tradition by introducing new technologies that help disrupt the cycle of addiction. To learn more, visit us at safehouserehab.com and click on the video, or contact us at info at safehouserehab.com, and we'll tell you about our $1,000 airfare allowance and referral rewards program. My name is Bruno J. And here's why I created this podcast. Our research has shown that despite the opioid epidemic and the worldwide panic over the ravages of addiction, we didn't see that treatment centers were doing anything different to break the cycle more effectively and improve the odds of long-term success. So we have set out to do things differently and to let all those who love an addict or alcoholic know more about the advances in treatment that we represent. Here's what we're doing differently. We have designed our diagnostics and detox to isolate and treat opioid and multi-addiction, example, alcohol plus opioids plus speed, more effectively, given that these are the new challenges of addiction in the 21st century. We integrate leading-edge technology into the recovering process, thereby disrupting the disorder, speeding the recovery of brain health. Clients come to treatment with damaged brains. This is a given. We pay attention to the importance of dopamine and other ingredients vital to brain health recovery. Traditional rehabs don't provide anywhere near the tools and close guidance that clients truly need to help keep them clean and sober for life. We do it right. First, we advise our clients to go into our sober living facility to serve as a transition to normal life. And we absolutely outperform traditional rehabs when it comes to providing a structure for long-term recovery. So if you love an addict or alcoholic and you feel like your loved one is sucking the oxygen out of your life, is stealing your money, stealing your peace of mind and your sanity, this podcast is for you. If you're feeling rage and shame and and he or she is living rent-free in your head 24-7, this podcast is for you. I hope to have you gain a better understanding of the nature of addictive disorder and the invisible effect it has on your psyche. It's my fervent hope you also gain a little more compassion for your loved one and for yourself in spite of this cunning, baffling, and powerful disease. To paraphrase an author in this space, we struggle because we love. In this episode number four of season two, which makes it 17 episodes to date, and of course more to come, I want to take you through some attack and defend on an issue that women care about. But if you're a man, don't tune out because you might be the one to help a woman into recovery by being better able to bust some of the myths that women believe in about AA, also known as Alcoholics Anonymous. And also learn about AA for yourself, which is the most democratic fellowship you could possibly imagine. AA is not a secret society. It simply honors the privacy of those who wish to remain anonymous, but nothing prevents me, for example, from disclosing that I am a grateful member. I'm just not allowed to disclose you as a member. I call this episode, AA is a Boys Club, right? Back in December of 2019, not that long ago, a woman reader of the New York Times blasted AA as a Boys Club, or in her words, a patriarchy apparently misunderstanding the concept of powerlessness, and using this twisted logic to turn the argument against AA, claiming that AA was a bastion of male chauvinism whose main purpose was to deny power to women and keep them in their place. 
When I read that, I said, well, that calls for a reasoned response, and even though I didn't rise to the bait, turns out that several readers who demonstrated a solid, of understand, solid understanding of AA did, and in fact, offer defense in far more eloquent ways than I ever could. Here's just a sample of what they said, quote, For anyone who has attended more than a handful of AA meetings, Miss X's opinion and that the organization is patriarchal makes little sense. While it was founded by a group of men almost a century ago, we know it to be 1935, today's AA is non-hierarchical and run by diverse groups of volunteers, including many women, close quote. There's more. This writer goes on to say something that clears up a misunderstanding about the concept of powerlessness over alcohol. This writer goes on to say, quote, Moreover, Miss X mischaracterizes the central tenet of AA's philosophy entirely, when she writes that it is designed to break people down, to the contrary, it raises people up through group therapy and community support. Close quote. To be fair, AA meetings are not exactly group therapy because they're not moderated by anyone. Rather, they allow each attendee to share their experience and or discuss a group topic without interruption, or as we say, without crosstalk. This gives the one taking the space to share what's ever on their mind in a safe, non-judgmental way. The writer then gets at some powerful truths about his early experience. Indeed, walking into my first AA meeting was the single bravest thing I've ever done. There goes an accurate take on powerlessness. His courage gave him the power to come in and admit that alcohol had kicked the crap out of him. That's what, and in the language of recovery, he was powerless over alcohol and his life had become unmanageable, and that he for sure could not and could never do this alone. This is what happened when he came in for the first time. He says, I was in a terrible emotional place, and I shared my story, publicly breaking into tears. I remember what that was like. When I started sharing my story for the first time, I felt the emotional dam break wide open after having stuffed my feelings of remorse and shame for years and years. I felt that finally I was among people who understood. I no longer felt alone. That's one of the promises made to new members, to watch loneliness vanish as a bright spot in our lives. And if you haven't ever been in this state, that is, if you're lucky enough not to have become an addict or an alcoholic in the first place, then this should give you a little taste of what it is like to live a life of fear and desperation. So let's get back to this business of AA as a patriarchy. Another reader of the same article takes on the patriarchy issue in more direct terms in a written response to the charge that AA essentially is a boys' club. She writes the following. Miss X's Blythe takedown of AA, don't you just love that Blythe takedown part, <laughs> does a grave disservice to millions, yes, millions in this country, desperate to quit drinking or using. Yes, AA meetings are typically open to addicts too, and some of us are both addicts and alcoholics. But too paralyzed by fear and shame, also true, to ask for help. Ms. X has given them an easy excuse to cross AA off their list, list of potential resources. And here's the clincher. The writer goes on to say, in her critique of the charge, and her critique of the myth, as it were, most egregiously. She doesn't mention that thousands of women meet every day in this country whose distaste for patriarchy is as fierce as hers. Close quote. 
Fact is, there's an AA meeting for everyone and anyone. They are mostly come one, come all meetings, but there are men only, women only, LGBTQ meetings, Spanish speaking meetings, and many more types of meetings. And of course, meetings in every language around the world. I was speaking mostly of the US meetings. Like impaired professionals meetings and meetings with down and outers with dopers nodding off in the corner. I wanna share that one of my favorite meetings in the early days for me was one called Here and Now, Saturday night at 9 p.m. at the Alano Club in the inner city. This is prime time, as it were. It was a reminder to me that I could back out, go be, <laughs> could go back out there any time I chose. I used to introduce myself as, "Hi, I'm Bruno, and I'm an alcoholic and an addict, just like you," just to keep my feet on the ground and not pretend I was floating above anyone, even the lowliest drunk in the room. We might be different on the outside, but we are alike in some very important ways. Once we start. Most of us can't stop or stay stopped on our own. This is an equal opportunity disease. If you're human, you're eligible. It respects no one. It is a universal global disorder. Yes, there are some who go it alone or use other means to stay clean and sober, and we encourage them to stay sober any way they know how. We can only speak for ourselves, men, women, gay, straight, white, black, brown, when we say this is what it was like, it was hell. This is what happened. We woke up and joined a 12-step program, and this is what it's like now. We are now living inspired and joyful lives. As our co-founder said, if a man can do an about-face and drink like a gentleman, our hat's off to him. Of course, this statement is a man speaking to men, but if we take the times into account, it was 1939 when this was written, then we can forgive and better understand the sentiment behind it that if you can find sobriety another way, go ahead. Didn't work for us, but maybe it'll work for you. That's how brilliant this philosophy is. We don't pretend to have all the answers. We simply say, this is how we got sober. Perhaps you'd like to join us. And if you don't like us or don't buy what we believe in, then you're free to go. No dues or fees, no obligations. We like it when you throw a buck or two in to help pay the rent, but you don't have to. And you can come back anytime or come and go as you please. And yet, at last count, there are approximately 2 million AA members around the world, a million of them are in the US. The writer I just referred to states that AA's diversity reflects its ability to respond to cultural change. AA does stay with the times. It's actually a 501c3 not-for-profit with open books and a list of officers, head office in New York, where it got its start along with Akron, Ohio, and a decent online presence at at aa.org, which is simple enough. There's even a meeting app I just downloaded called Meeting Finder, where you can find a meeting near you any day of the week, any time of day, in any city. And here's a good one on the value of the AA program among women. Another woman writes this, I am a feminist and sober 35 years. AA has done for me what I could not do for myself. By working through the 12 steps with other people like me, I was able to finally stop drinking become the best version of myself. What she is addressing here is something that people who are not fully familiar with AA don't quite understand. That is, AA is not just about not drinking. We say that our drinking was only 10% of the problem. We didn't have a drinking problem so much as we had a thinking problem. We were the problem. The writer goes on to say something at the heart of recovery using the 12 steps. Miss X missed the point. 
Being spiritual does not mean giving into a patriarchal structure. It means letting go of the need to control. The irony is that when I stop fighting using my ego, I'm able to find my deepest power as a woman in a patriarchal world. So for this woman, the world, or AA, might still be a patriarchal place. But it is in the opinion of many that it's about compassion and healing for all who have the need for it. Whoever you are and wherever you come from, even why you came here to begin with. I spent decades in the ad business in Chicago and New York. I may have mentioned this before, but the height, at the height of my so-called career, I enjoyed a beautiful corner office on the 26th floor at 1515 Broadway in New York City. It all came crashing down one rainy day when I learned that we had been acquired by a big British network, and it became really clear really fast that they needed to unload some salaries. And even though I never drank or smoked dope on the job, my drinking and using had made me an arrogant, unlikable, afraid character. So who do you think they fire first? Not the incompetent ones. They fire people they don't like. That's who they fire first. So even though I was educated high up in the company, a man of stature with a senior VP to my name, it didn't matter a lick. I was as vulnerable to the disease as the guy going home on the subway to a small apartment in Queens, above the bar, making just enough to get by. I may have fallen further, but the result was the same. So what did we learn today? We learned that, one, there are many myths out there that need to be dispelled if we wish to give us give as many alcoholics, and I would say addicts, fewer reasons to cross AA off the list. Two, the charge against AA went public in the New York Times, January 3rd, 2020, of all places, but I give the Times credit for publishing two very well-reasoned defenses. Three, that AA is a patriarchy or a boys or men's club has been thoroughly debunked and is simply not true. There are meetings that are women only, men only, and many other types of meetings that offer a safe, non-judgmental way to participate in, in the healing process. Four, the larger and great truth is that alcoholism and addiction are equal opportunity disorders, respecting no type or class or gender. And five, the parallel truth is that we believe that AA can help those who seek it. We encourage those who need help to get it wherever they can for few can do this alone. Thank you for tuning in today. It's my fervent hope we've given you new insight and new hope that will lighten your burden. For our hearts go out to all who suffer the effects of addictive disorder. Please give us your feedback at info at safehouserehab.com. By all means, ask us any question you like, and we'll answer on air if you will. And if you want to leave us your first name and city, we'll recognize you too, of course. This podcast is sponsored by safehouserehab.com, where we take a modern approach to recovery, something all families of those who suffer deserve. Tune in next week for more.